Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory. I am so excited for this episode. I think you can tell in my voice. I am your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. I am joined by Dan Lamagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. Dan, I know that you had to put aside your, you're out there buying Amari Cooper rookie card. So I was happy that you were able to take some time and join us tonight. What's up, Dan? You know, it's like we haven't talked enough about the Cowboys lately. And, you know, I'm not, I haven't taken the plunge for top shot. So yeah, going down memory lane and, you know, picking up some Cowboy rookies. But I'm excited about tonight's show. Uh, you know, we're talking running backs. My, my first collegiate coaching job was coaching running backs. So this, this holds a place in my heart. And it's, again, one week closer to the NFL draft. So ready to go, boys. And then before I introduce Mitch, I was so excited. I forgot to say, we're still a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I was just so excited for this episode. I was telling people on Twitter that we were on Monday this week. That's how excited <laughs> I was. But we're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? <laughs> What's going on, guys? I, I've been noticing the closer and closer we get to the NFL draft, the more and more I start to care about Dynasty more. I think I might have got burned out a little bit in February and March. But like, I'm loving it now. Like, I'm really, really excited for the season to start. I keep telling my wife, I'm like, we're only five months away from NFL football. Mitch has got a point there, man, because like, we're into it. We're always following it. We're keeping up. But lately, like with all this rookie hype and the draft, I'm like, okay, I know I got to do this for work. I know I got to do this for my family. Ah, plenty of time. Rookie running backs tonight. No, it's we're inching closer and closer and closer. And we typically plug this at the end of every show, but I want to get it out there early tonight. Join us Thursday, April 29th, starting 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time through the entire night for the first night of the NFL draft. And then we'll be back live again Friday, April 30th, beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's going to run, I don't know, midnight Eastern. I, I don't know. It's going to be about 12 hours Live content Thursday and Friday. Extremely excited. Hopefully everybody can join us for the live stream. Now, while we do want to hit on and talk about some of these running backs, you know, if you're watching live on YouTube, if you're watching on Twitter, you can see the big three. We know who those are. Najee, well, sorry, Najee Harris. That's right. We just looked that up. We had to get it right. He was so aggravated with people getting his name incorrect there. And if you guys know anything you know that I mispronounce names left and right. So I'm going to butcher it still. And then Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, the mid-tier options and the late-round targets. But Mitch, you said, guys, we should probably talk about Sam Darnold just for a few minutes. So what do you want to say there about your boy, Sammy Darnold? Go and get Sammy Darnold. Like, I know I am higher on him than the vast majority of people are, right? Like, I think he's finally in a good offense. He has all of the talent still. And he already has his fifth year option picked up, which a lot of the other rookies from that year haven't happened yet. And so when I'm looking at him, I'm seeing, okay, he loves throwing to the slot. Who does he have? He has DJ Moore, right? Robbie Anderson, he already has the background with. And then he has Christian McCaffrey running back that he's never had a running back with the Jets. I mean, he had Le'Veon Bell for a couple of games, but that's really about it. And so he's immediately walking into a better situation. Then he has Joe Brady. I mean, just... Having that gives me hope he's going to be okay. 
And there's probably 10 quarterbacks in the league right now that I don't have a ton of hope for. So immediately moves him up into like that quarterback, the back end of the quarterback two territory for me. I think there's two positives here. One, they already exercised the fifth year option, but then also earlier today, it came out that the jet, the jets, oh my goodness, we're, we're four minutes in. I'm already messing things <laughs> up here. The Panthers are letting Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. explore a trade opportunity. So I, I think that has to bode well for Sam Darnold. And even if Teddy is there, they probably have a, a quarterback battle. But Dan, is there any concern or any thought that, hey, maybe the Panthers still pursue that rookie quarterback via the NFL draft? I'm glad you brought this up because this really is the fun part of Dynasty for all of us. And I feel, although maybe not quite you know, where he is in the rankings, but if I could just mention Jalen Hurts, there was a time where we says, okay, we, we're kind of intrigued by Jalen Hurts, but Carson Wentz is still there when he was. And it's like, what do we do? And, and the value we could have gotten at that time if we were aggressive on Hurts post when Wentz left it's kind of like the same thing with with Sam Darnold. Like we kind of knew that they were probably going to take a quarterback at number two in the draft, the Jets, and Darnold was probably going to go, but we weren't sure and we were hesitant. Like if you did pounce then, that was great. So now he's to the next phase where it's like, okay, Teddy's allowed to go. He's a nice situation as Mitch outlined in Carolina, but are they still drafting a quarterback? If I'm a betting man, I, I like to think they would you you know take advantage of that draft capital there, get a skilled guy, and be all in at Darnold for what they gave for him. But I'm still not a hundred percent confident. But I'm with Mitch. I say get Darnold. You know, I, I traded one share for him. It got me out of the Jimmy Garoppolo torture that I was in. I had to trade a two point uh, three there uh, in a fourteen team league. It was just at the threshold where that second round pick. Was I, you know, probably one of these running backs in our middle tier that we're going to talk about tonight? Maybe I could have gotten him, but it was enough where it says, Hey, I'm going to go all in on Sam Darnold in this league. I need to roll the dice in this league. He could be a quarterback for me. So, like him, still wish I was a little more confident with Carolina, what they're doing, but I'm believing. So, you moved 203 for Darnold in a 14 team super flex league. Yeah, with Garoppolo, I got a bump up in the fourth round as well. So, it was wait, really- it was 203 and Garoppolo. 203 and Garoppolo for wow, Darnold. Okay, okay. I got a bump up in the fourth round, although that's kind of just gravy. Um, you know, again, for me, when I was looking at 203, who I had in my draft tiers, I was like, okay, I could lose this. If it was a 12-team league, I don't think I would have necessarily done it. But in 14-team league, I just felt like I needed Sammy Darnold. That's why I was furrowing my brow over here when you were saying it, because I was like, wow, 203 in a 14-team league. I was able to unload one of my shares of Sam Darnold for 109 in a 12 team super flex league. And I feel fairly comfortable at uh quarterback, but I also had the one Oh three in that league. So I can address the position there if I choose to, um, you know, so guys, anything else here on Sam Darnold, you know, uh, Mitch, where is that tipping point for you before we move on to the running backs in a 12 team super flex league? What pick are you moving to acquire him? What pick are you looking to get back? If you're moving him? See, I'm actually a little bit, more of a Sam Darnold fan than everybody else. So I'm actually closer. If I could, if I have the 202 or the 203, I'm willing to move that for Sam Darnold because all the good quarterbacks would be gone in a 12 team league by then. Like Mac Jones is probably going to go around the 110, 111. And so then if I could get a starting quarterback that I know should have the job for the next two years for the 202 or 203, I'm more than willing to do that. 
See, I the 109 was a snap move for me, but I could not. I wouldn't have moved Darnold for the right. 201, 202. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of a similar situation. What about the 112? Do you move the 112 for Darnold? Depending that, on the team, I would. Yeah, That's where it gets a little tricky. So yeah. that's probably right around that threshold. Okay. But it's going to be really exciting to see, just like Dan said, what do the Carolina Panthers do in the NFL draft? How do they address? Do they continue to further address the quarterback position? Get a do tackle. They, Get it, Slater. Shore it up. They'll be fine. Do they bolster that offensive line? Do they look to address the defensive needs? There's going to be a lot of interesting ways that they could go, or do they trade back? What we don't know is how good is Sam Darnold? You know, like we haven't seen him perform well. Let's be honest. His body of work with the Jets is I think he's better than what we've seen, though. Yeah, But like at some point, we're hoping, like I believe in Carolina. I think I've been on record of that, you know, the head coach up to the owner. I, I like what that organization's doing. You know, at some point, I hope they say, hey, Sam's our guy. He performs really well, and, and we start building confidence. But right now, he still doesn't have any long jet, long-term long contract or security. You know, you, you talk about two, three years, Mitch. You know, he's putting himself in a class now with Wentz, Carr, Daniel Jones, Cousins, Matty Ryan. Like, you know, do you take him before those guys that have a little bit more security but are a little long in the tooth and maybe not as attractive? Or we see, hey, maybe their situation kind of burning out. Yeah, I think them giving him the fifth-year option right off the bat, because they didn't have to do that until after the draft. They didn't have to do that until, I think, May 3rd or May 4th. So I think them doing that immediately shows that, like, hey, we're going to pay you. And it's like $17 million guaranteed next year, too. So I think he's definitely the guy for the next two years. That's, you know, my opinion on it. But the group that Dan just mentioned, the Carr, uh, Matt Ryan, those two, oh, Carson Wentz even, there's not much job security for any of those guys after the 2021 season. So for that tier, we have to be looking at them in like a two-year window, I think. And if if you have a, a hunch or a feeling or you're really planting your flag on a certain player, obviously that's going to be the one that's above the rest, you know, when you're looking at your tiers. But anyway, let's get to the rookie running backs. I said before the show, I have a feeling we're going to have a few disagreements here. I know when I start talking anything analytically, even remotely analytical, Dan's going to throw the challenge flag. JB, JB, JB. Did you watch the film? Did you watch the film on this guy? So what I want to start with, and I know, listen, I know everybody and their mother is talking about Najee Najee Harris, (sighs) Travis Etienne, (laughs) Javante. I know everybody's talking about Mm -hmm. them but we have to discuss them. We have to address them because not only, oh, well, this is my RB1, this is my RB2. Is there a potential landmine at the top of the draft? Because when we talk about it and we look at those high-end running backs, high-end quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, whoever, those players going in the first round of rookie drafts, that is where all of the risk is. There's no risk for these low-end players in the third round. That's all upside at this point. But these picks here, is there a player that when you hit that draft button, you're going to regret it. So, Mitch, you're ready to say something. I am. So, okay, so here's my question with Najee Harris. Everybody knows his age, right? He's 23 coming out. It's the most talked about thing ever, right? I'm not that concerned about it because I think he'll go through his first contract. But what happens if he goes to a team like Denver that has Melvin Gordon, goes to Texans that has David Johnson, goes to Seattle that has Chris Carson, just a team like that, right? A team to where he doesn't immediately walk into a bell cow role. And then you have someone like Travis Etienne, who 
I'm guessing we probably all have a little bit lower than Harris. Say ETN goes to the Cardinals. And you just know he's locked into a great role on a great offense. What do you do then? Because although I love to say I don't want landing spots to take over, I'm more than willing to care about landing spots when it comes to running backs a little bit, especially when you're accounting for guys 23 coming into the league. He might not be the full-time starter for a year or two. You know, it's just something that I was considering with Najee Harris. Dan, do you want to address that from your end before I get into some of these numbers whenever you two kick back and put me on, on mute over there? I mean, I, I was going into tonight very open-minded. I, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna need my challenge flag tonight, JB. I don't, I don't know. It's just listening to your guys' takes on backs. We'll see as we pro- progress, though. But um, I, I think I'm going in with the mindset tonight of seeing Najee Harris go to one of those teams that really need a running back. So I, I'd be surprised if that happens, Mitch. It could, it very well could. I wouldn't wish the Houston Texans upon anybody. But. Um, I, I think Najee goes somewhere good, but I would ju- adjust accordingly if, if a scenario like that happened, Mitch. If Entian goes to a dream landing spot, because <laughs> I battled with myself for a long time of who was one and two in my running back rankings until recently, and we'll get into that. So I could definitely be swayed based on landing spot. All right. So just talking about the 23-year-old running back. Oh, Mitch, put, put your headphones back in. Come on. When you look at, at Harris and you look at the expectation of that first or second round draft capital and every number that I throw at you tonight, just so I don't have to keep saying it goes back to 2003. So all of these sample sizes, everything goes back to 2003, just so I don't have to keep saying it over and over and over again. So for Harris, there were 17 running backs at the age of 23 that entered the NFL that were taken in the first or second round. That is not a significant sample size when talking about what 18, 19 draft classes, it isn't. So yes, 23 years old is a red flag. None of us want to get Vaughned again. We got Keyshawn Vaughned hard last year. Mitch and I, Dan, Dan didn't, Dan didn't. Yeah, I know, I know, but we got Vaughn pretty hard. And I like how I make it a verb here. But when, once you get to that third round, that's where the drop-off really kicks in, especially when looking at these older backs. And that's going to be the story for a lot of these backs that people had as late round targets that kind of got pushed up their board for one reason or another that we're going to address here tonight. But one interesting thing, and again, it's a small sample size. Take this with a grain of salt. No 23-year-old running back drafted in the first or second round has had more than two top 12 running back seasons. All right. And again, it's, it's not a huge sample size, but that it's still something that I thought was really interesting. Now, one thing that somebody said, well, the profile changes a little bit if he would have come out last year, because while he has the first or second round draft capital this year, he probably would have been around three running back last year. So looking at that, there have been three 22 year old running backs drafted in the third round that have had more than two top 12 running back seasons. Um, So the the thing that I'm seeing here, if you are a first or second round running back at the age of 23, when you enter the league, you have more immediate high-end production. And that number comes in here. Six of the 24, 22-year-old running backs, third round draft capital, at least 12 PPR points per game in the first three years of their career. That percentage picks up by about 10, 15% 
when you look at those 23-year-old running backs in the first or second round. So more immediate high-end production versus slightly more longevity. Does that does that make sense, guys? It does make sense, yeah. But now you start to get into it. Those guys that were productive early, just like Mitch said, they went to a landing spot that allowed for that. Mm-hmm. Now, what if Harris, again, I don't think it's likely, but it's certainly something we should address and talk about because that is where the landing spot, I think, will change a little bit because of the opportunity. And we want to see those older backs, even if they're taken in the first or second round, get that opportunity immediately. Yeah, one thing I do want to mention with Harris is, although he is 23, he hasn't had a huge workload. You compare him to someone like Zeke that was only in the league for three years. Harris only had 40 more carries than Zeke did in college. And that's with the full extra year in there. And But you compare him to the guy who we're going to bring up next in Javante Williams. Javante Williams had 300 less carries than Harris did in college. So, I mean, there's just a huge gap on how some running backs are used because we know that Alabama loves to pound the ball, but um, UNC loved to have the two backs with Carter and Williams. And so then Williams just doesn't have that much wear on his tires, which, you know, the more that we think about how running backs are treated in the NFL, that kind of raises him up a little bit for me. See, and that's nothing that's on my radar because there are studies and, you know, you can go out there and find them mm-hmm. that the wear and tear that these running backs have in college, unless it's a repeated injury history, but if it's just the usage itself, there's no correlation between that and injury and longevity in the NFL. There isn't. Um, so before we move on to Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, can I ask you guys, Najee Harris, Najee Harris, Najee, whatever, however you want to uh, pronounce it. You know, you even started the show saying it right, and, and like, we're ready. Because I'm all hyped over here. I'm lucky I know how to pronounce my name at this point, okay? Fair. But Harris, we'll, we'll just stick with Harris. He's like Cher, just a last name, um, even though Cher's a first name. Anyway, um, Mitch, is Harris your running back one in this class? Yes. It would take a really bad landing spot and really great landing spots for Williams or ETN to jump over him. I mean, I mean like great landing spots. Now we're going to get to wide receivers next week, but as of today, if you had to pick between Chase, who I think is your wide receiver one, or Harris, Harris. where do you go? I go Harris. Running backs will always carry the value. So I'll always go running backs. I mean, you can look at Dobbins and Swift who had kind of good rookie seasons and they're going in the second round of startups right now. Right. All right, Dan, same question. Is Harris your running back one? Najee is definitely my, my, my number one. I think everything Mitch has mentioned there, you know, plus he's an Alabama back. You know, there's not a lot of miles there, but he waited his turn behind great ones. You know, they're just like a factory for running backs. And I just think he is the best combo of work ethic and football IQ of these three running backs uh, that, that he's my clear number one. And it took me a while to get there because I, I've been high on NTN for, for quite some time. Uh, but I'm trying to do a better job of making sure I just don't fall in love with players and just stick with them because I've loved them for the longest time. So I'm in on Najee, and I would take him ahead of Chase too. The running back value that Mitch mentioned and the drop off, like the the tier drop off and rookie yeah. running backs compared to the like I I feel like I could strike gold waiting on wide receiver. I think it's a much longer shot at the running back position. And then one thing that really jumps out to me, as with Williams and Etn. Najee Harris, Najee Harris. <laughs> I could do an entire outtake. Just Najee Harris, do not listen to this podcast. Everybody else listen to it. Najee, do not listen to this because you will be mad. It will never, ever be a guest. All right. 
I don't think we have to worry about that anyway. But <laughs> Harris, he he not only has that that upside from a, a rushing standpoint. We all know that he had twenty plus touchdowns uh, here in twenty twenty. But then he also has that receiving prowess, and he has shown that he can excel in the passing game, and that's something we're looking for. So you look at the receiving college dominator among these running backs, Williams, Etienne, Harris, they're all running backs that have been reliable and have excelled in the passing game. And one last thing before we move on to the next pair, Mitch, I promised you some some comps based on uh, projected draft capital, age entering the league, the size profile, some of the college measurables and metrics. Is Again, one Marshawn Lynch? It is not, no. That's just who he reminds me of, right? I watch him play. I'm like, I can see Marshawn Lynch there. See, that's your issue. You're watching people play. No. <laughs> Again, I, I always talk about it. There needs to be that balance between film and analytics. There has to be. It isn't one or the other. So, Dan, before you yell at me, and I'm sure you're going to say, JB, they don't, they don't look anything alike on the field. But. Again, I pull out my fancy spreadsheet. There are several running backs that I'm going to give a high end, a low end, and a middle ground here. What do you want first? High, middle, or low? Middle. Carlos Hyde. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Carlos Hyde, I think he's a a solid middle point there. I'm going to hit you with the low end. Toby Gerhardt. You know, he had that that early second-round draft capital, the heavy usage. His... Uh, receiving college dominator was a little bit lower. So another positive for Harris and then the high end, Larry Johnson, Just, again, really fizzled That's a out. lot of people's count for him. I, it is. It is. Um, and again, I would be very interested the people that really watch the film, how they look at that. Is it a stylistic thing as well? Or is it just, okay, here's the data. This is how it lines up. Uh, so that would be interesting to see Dan. What, any, any thoughts there? Can you tolerate those comps? Low end's a little a little too low for me. The, the the high end, I think you could go higher. Larry Johnson was a blast from the past. You know, I, I think of our boy Chris Carson, but just with pedigree with it from, from Alabama. You know, he's got size, he's got speed. I, I love this kid. He's he's. I think he's got it all. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're we're through one running back here. Twenty two minutes in. All right, guys. Mitch, the big question here. Javante Williams or Travis Etienne was Travis Etienne too good, too fast for too long. People were bored with him. And now it's the Javante Williams show at running back too. How do you see these two? Actually, that's fair. I really do think that's fair to kind of say that. Like maybe if Etienne was a junior, you know, we, we kind of skipped over a year for him. Everybody would love him just as much, but since we had the extra year, it's kind of the NCAA basketball thing to where if someone stays an extra year, you just hate them just because they stay an extra year. But, you know, looking at the two, I actually think I'm going to have Javante Williams above ETN because when I watch Williams play, I just think he has an all around tool set. I mean, ETN is going to be amazing as well. I think all three of these backs are definitely worth first round rookie picks. But if let's just say, for instance, they both get really good landing spots. Let's say ETN does go to the Cardinals Let's say Williams goes to Atlanta, right? It would be really hard for me not to choose Williams, just knowing his all-around skill set. And honestly, when I look at him, I talked to you earlier about this, John, and you kind of eh, a little bit. He reminds me a lot about of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like a lot. You watch him play, 
and the athletic measurables are really close to the same. And I think he could be that kind of guy. And everyone's hating on Edwards Allaire right now. But we have to remember that Kansas City offensive line was god-awful, like horrible. And so I think Williams putting into a good role with a decent offensive line, I think I'd end up taking him over, ETN, to be honest with you. Well, really quick, CEH, the hate is there just because of the expectation and the hype. He did fine for, like, more than okay for a first-round rookie. But it's the expectation that was set. Kansas City, he better blow everybody out of the water, and he just didn't do that. But I didn't hate the comp. The issue for me was when you look at the expected draft capital for Javante Williams, that's one of the things that stood out for me. And that, that's the only reason they didn't really tie together for me. And I'll throw my comp out there in a second. But Dan, Williams, ETN, are you leaning that way as well, Javante? It would have to be more extreme team landing spot for me to not take ETN. Like the Cardinals, you mentioned two teams that need running backs, maybe one more than another, Mitch, but – ETN, that explosion he has is just game-breaking. Like you just don't teach that. You don't see that. It's just rare. I love seeing those rare traits in running backs and thinks he I think he has the highest, the higher ceiling of being like a Kamara Cook kind of guy because he could just take one to the house at, at any point. Uh, so I like him more, although Javante Williams, I could see him being a, a total package three down back. He's got really nice size. Um, so he, he's rising up my boards, where at least he's in the conversation now. But he's he's clearly my number three. And I, again, I really do think, I kind of said it with a, a little bit of sarcasm in my voice earlier, but I do think it's a matter of ETN's been, he was so good, so young, and for so long. People were bored with him a little bit. And we talked about it on last week's show with the quarterbacks. It's the reason people were picking apart Trevor Lawrence and uh, he's not my quarterback one anymore. Is That's that's our mindset these days. You, you need to have that, you know, like, oh, squirrel. That, that's basically what it's like, you know. So uh, I, I think I, I can get on board. I, I can see it both ways. But if I have to pick today, I, I would slightly, and I have them in the same tier, but I'm going to take Javante Williams. So when you look at the two, you know, both of them, just like Harris, really nice involvement and utilization in the passing game. One thing that Travis Etienne does and did that kind of stood out a little bit to me that's going to go under the radar, but it's going to prove uh, very beneficial and useful in the NFL. He was involved in the, the return game. He was the only one of these three. So he has shown that, that ability as well. And we've seen high end talent, you know, Antonio Brown, that's always the easy one mm -hmm. uh, where these guys are used in the return game, obviously different position, of course. Um, but uh, okay. So here's my, my spiel, Travis Etienne expect uh, expectation is second round draft capital, 22 years old, 18 or 19 year old running back breakout age. There is a massive nine running backs in the sample size. So even less than the 17 for Harris, the thing for him, it's that receiving college dominator. So in that sample size of nine, I basically broke it in half. The guys above him, above 8%, Isaiah P to Amir Abdullah. We know how that played out, but then Dalvin Cook and Matt Forte. So they're in that. And then, so 50% hit rate, you go below that threshold, below the 8% college dominator for the receiving game. Monte Ball, LaMichael James, Nick Chubb, Ben Tate, Christine Michael. That is a 20% hit rate below there. So 
I'm hoping that Travis Etienne, he hit that threshold. He falls a little bit more in line with that 50% chance to hit and be a fantasy relevant back. Hopefully we get a Dalvin Cook or Matt Forte and not an Isaiah Pede. <laughs> um, you know, but, and then Javante Williams. Oh, and, and the comp that I thought was the closest based on all the, the measurables, Monte Ball, unfortunately. I, I'm not saying that's did, how it's going to play out. I have a hard time. Didn't Monty Ball have like one great year? And then like he was drafted in the first round of all the next year's fantasy drafts. And they just didn't do a thing after that. I am fairly certain it was his rookie season. He yeah. had, he had a, a fairly strong, if it wasn't his rookie season, it was his second, but it just completely fizzled. Uh, so Javante Williams here again, it's, it's fairly similar in terms of, Travis Etienne with the, the, the receiving game, um, the, the comp I had, and th- this is going to sound ugly, but based on the, the numbers, second and third round draft capital college dominator in the receiving game of at least 9%, similar 40 time, fairly similar physically geo Bernard. And again, that's not what people want to hear. If you're using an early first round rookie pick and you hear geo Bernard, Oh, Dan, Dan, Looks dis. Wait, wait, here it is. There's the first the challenge of the night. That's there it is. I've been waiting. He's, he's too much of a beast to be a Geo Bernard. Wait, wait. Can, can I can I just specify again? This is it has nothing to do with the playing style itself. And the fact that I am saying Javante Williams over Travis Etienne, I clearly do not believe that well, is. You the just path. called him Monty Ball. Oh, I so would then hope that you works would Williams over him. Then. There you go. So you heard it here, Giovanni Bernard over Monte Ball. Uh, Javante <laughs> Williams over Travis Etienne. The, the analytics are making my hair r- rise right now. It's just, I think of Javante Williams as this converted linebacker who's just nasty, man. Like he plays w- with a linebacker tenacity, and, and it's a, it's awesome to watch the transition he's made because again, he looks like a total package three down back that I think still developing and has has more room to grow. But I think Etienne again to me is just more polished with that just explosion, and I think it was made for this moment. Like Najee Harris coming out of these big universities, uh, I think they just adapt nice to the NFL game. So for Mitch and myself, it goes Harris Williams Etienne for Dan Harris Etienne Williams, and anybody that is listening live, anybody that's listening on the podcast feed, if you have a question as to where any of those comps are coming from, again. This is not me saying, let me reiterate, it is not me saying stylistically player A is player B, but I can show you based on the the measurables and the metrics how I I tied that out. Um, Travis Etienne's Monte Ball. That's all that I'm going to remember for the next (laughs) month now. (laughs) Uh, So so Travis Etienne, fantastic rookie season. He's going to be taken first round in 2022 and then (laughs) never hear from him again. All right, all right. Moving on to the mid-tier options and the 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 guys that I put in here. So if you noticed on Twitter earlier today, I threw it out there. Hey, does anybody want to volunteer the rookie running back rankings for talking points on tonight's show? And this is kind of where those are going to be used. And I want to thank, let's see, Jeff Bell, uh, Dynasty Trade Calculator, Bob Gilchrist threw this out there, Draft Director, Peter, at... P underscore fries, Aaron LaKid, Aaron Wilcox, John over at Monaco Dynasty, Shane Manila. You know, so a lot of people throwing their rankings out there. And what I wanted to do, and there was one username that was not PG, so I'm not even going to say that name. Uh, 
if you go back and look at the my Twitter feed, you can guess what name that is. But what I wanted to do is find the names that are popping up over and over again that have a wide range. You know, here's their their ceiling. Maybe somebody has them at running back four, and then the lowest somebody has them running back thirteen. And there are running backs like that. But looking at the mid tier running backs, Kenneth Gainwell, Chuba Hubbard, Michael Carter, Trey Sermon. And again, this is kind of based on where I have these guys, but also Trey Sermon creeping in because Dan said, JB, I'm taking Sermon over Hubbard. Okay. All right, Dan. So I'll put Sermon in there. How are we looking at these four? Where do we draw the line? Where do we start to say, okay, I'm starting to look at other positions. I don't even want to really focus on the running backs at that point, but those four running backs, uh, Dan, let's start with you. Yeah, I'll say, you know, this is a group here that has a lot of upside potential. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, I or Chuba Hubbard, I don't necessarily Chubba, Chubba, Chubba. have in this group. Maybe because he is Chuba. No, just kidding. Um, again, just trying not to stay in love with guys' past performance. Uh, there's some guys here that are just a lot more intriguing to me. And, and, and for me, it's Trey Sermon. It, then it's Kenneth Gainwell. And then it's Michael Carter. In, in that order. And I have two guys on our next list, JB, that I think Wait, I really, have... really quick. I'm sorry. I was, I was reading something. I'll be honest. Can you say those four again in your, your list? Yeah. But my order is Trey Sermon, Kenneth Gainwell, both very close there. And then Michael Carter and then Hubbard's in a different class. I, I honestly have two other running backs that, that I have a, ahead of him. So um, you have Trey Sermon at running back four. I do. I do. I just love his effort, his vision, his size, He's intriguing to me. Kenneth Gainwell, um, you know, those two guys lead this tier for me for different reasons. And I know Mitch is high on Gainwell, and I could definitely see why. Uh, Gainwell, to me, is kind of in a class last year where I had Antonio Gibson. Like, my sleepers last year were Antonio Gibson and Anthony McFarland in, in kind of different tiers, but they were guys I was really intrigued by watching them their film. And Gainwell is that guy. He's another Memphis running back. Um, he, he's a heck of a receiving back. He kind of reminds me of like an Aaron Jones type weapon. Like he's not a running back. He's like a weapon. Like you could deploy him in so many different ways. Size is a bit of a concern. I think we all know that. Um, but his his tape just pops off the screen to me. So I, I love watching Gainwell. I think I'm just – I have Sermon ahead just because of his size, his effort. I, I just – I like him a little bit more well-rounded with a little less risk. So maybe my risk tolerance is a little bit less than, than Mitch's. And that's why I have him in that order. I'm going to be very interested. We don't have time tonight to tie all these players in and compare them to other positions because you have Trey Sermon at your running back four, but maybe he is a little bit later. Maybe you have the wide receivers higher up. So next week we have wide receivers and tight ends the week after. I think that's where we tie it all in together. And then we get into our live draft show guys. All right, Mitch, those four guys there. I think it's safe to say Kenneth Gainwell is your number one out of those four. Yes, without a doubt. But one thing I want to mention is I do 100% believe one of these four will be in the first round of rookie drafts. One of these four is going to be drafted somewhere and he's going to be moved up. We could talk about Vaughn last year, but whether Vaughn was a hit or not, he went in the first round of last year's drafts. I think it's safe to say Keyshawn Vaughn was not a hit. Right, right. But you go back, you could Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson was the same way. He went in the first round drafts. And you go back further, there's these guys to where we have Every a, year. Yep. a little bit lower, but they end up because dynasty teams are starved of running backs. And so if they see one, they get a good landing spot, someone's going to overdraft them, whether it's me, whether it's John, whether it's Dan. It's just kind of how it works. So when 
the one thing when I look at Gain One, the reason why I'm so high on him is because when you just watch him, he does everything you want. Um, the one problem that we have heard is pass blocking. Like he just goes and chips and runs out. I mean, that's kind of what he does. But I will counter that with saying he was like 185 and 190 pounds. So I highly doubt his coaches were like, hey, I want you to stand in front of that linebacker and take him on. He was probably taught just chip and go out because he's an excellent receiver. He had like 2,200 yards his sophomore year. And that was with Antonio Gibson on the team. He comes out, he runs a 4-4-1. While he gained weight, I think he's up like 205, something like that. So when I just look at him, he's a guy to where I already know if he gets a good landing spot, I'll overdraft him. That's just going to be how it happens for me. But when I look at the other guys, it's probably going to be Michael Carter just because I kind of know what he's going to do in the NFL. So when he goes to a team, I could see him being – I hate saying the comp because it's kind of what they're always comp to, but James White. Like you could just see him stepping into a role like that on – 31 teams, the NFL, and just being fine. And you know he's going to be okay. And Hubbard has that game-breaking speed, like what we brought up with ETN. And so that's the only reason why I have him above Sermon. And it's just because I don't know what Sermon does better than what the other three backs do, even though he might be a better all-around running back. But I do really believe we'll see one of these guys going between the 110 to the 112, maybe the 201 at latest in 12-team leagues. Dan, let me ask you, does it change your opinion at all and your value of Trey Sermon? And I know this might not be on your radar clearly as much as us math nerds over here, but if Trey Sermon slips to the fourth round of the NFL draft? It would be more dependent on landing spot at that point. I wouldn't be too pleased with it. I'd be definitely a little more apprehensive. But again, it would depend where he go and what what opportunity he has. Again, he's a guy where I watch his film. I just I see a little bit more ceiling, and I might be a little hypocritical because I'm saying like, you know, Sermon's ahead of Gainwell because a little more risk with Gainwell. But then I have Michael Carter back there because I'm a little nervous. Like Mitch said, like I think he's just going to be okay in the NFL. I don't know if he has necessarily the ceiling of these guys, and I do want to draft a running back that I think could be the guy. Um, so I just think I like Sermon's upside. Uh, in the National Football League. But yeah, fourth round, it, it does. it's a little bit of a deterrent, John, but it, it's not a deal breaker. Now, if you start saying fifth, sixth, seventh, the lower you go, the, the worse it gets. Well, I want to bust out some numbers here. What do you got? Okay. No, I know I'm you're ready. ready. I know I'm you're excited. locked and loaded. All right, so in the third round, and I'll just reiterate it one more time in case somebody just jumped in. This is since 2003. 50 running backs have been taken in the third round. 11 have had at least one running back one season. Six have had multiple running back one seasons. 11 have had multiple running back two seasons. Okay. So 22% of those 50 running backs have had at least one running back one season. 64 running backs taken in the fourth round since 2003. That at least one running back one season drops to 12.5%. And then 4.7% for multiple running back one seasons. 12.5% for multiple running back two seasons. So when you're looking at the running back one season, so these are, and, and that's what we're hoping for here because we're talking about guys, Mitch, you said it, Dan, I think you might be on board here where one of those guys is going to slip or move up to the first round of super flex rookie drafts. Maybe that one twelve area. Do you want to use that pick on a guy that you think is only going to have one high end season and that's it? 
I, I don't, I don't think I would feel comfortable with that. So almost twice as likely as soon as you cross that threshold. Uh, so the, the, the numbers are there. And again, I, I know some people, they, they want to ignore it. I, I get that. And that, I'm not saying Dan, but I'm saying people are out there. Yeah, but this guy, this guy's going to be different. And there, there are outliers. There always are. Um, you know, but, but overall, th- th- those are the numbers. Take that for what it's worth. And it's, it's important to factor in. And I just think we're running back. Again, having coached it, it is such a unique position. You know, when I coached my first season at Lackawanna College, I started in spring football, and we'd have 20 running backs starting out because you allow some guys to try out and whatnot, and then 20 whittles itself down to, you know, 15 because they they quit, they don't get enough playing time, and then by the end of spring, it's like 13, and then coach says, hey, you can only bring back seven because the next recruiting class is coming in. But I've coached some guys that were really talented, but they were rockheads. You know, they didn't have the work ethic. Or, you know, I coached one kid that, you know, he went to the CFL and he might not have been my number one projected running back. Another kid that was uber talented, but he didn't make good choices in life. So these running backs, when they come to the NFL, they've got talent, but is the work ethic there? You know, are they going to stay on the right path? Do they want to block? They can really just tick a coach off because they just don't want to do something in that offense. And then they end up losing playing time. So whether these guys go in the fourth round or the first round, I'm a little curious why certain teams pass them up and why they land there. And then when they get there, how are they going to adapt to the NFL? So that's like really deep, like your analytics, John. And there's just some factors we don't know that we just got to keep researching, and get as much information as we can to make the best, the best, the best guess. Cause that's really what it is. It was certainly a unique situation, but Dan, you talk about work ethic, work ethic and attitude and what these teams might know that we don't know as fantasy players there was a running back that slipped in the NFL draft that really threw people for a loop. And that was Darius Geis. And again, it was a very extreme situation, but clearly, you know, people may have known anyway. So let me, let me throw my comps here. Let me throw my comps here. And, and Mitch, Dan, you can yell at me as we go along. Kenneth Gainwell. This was Damian Tomlinson. (laughs) No, so this was tough because Jamal Charles. No, damn it! I tried, but Trey Sermon, Jamal Charles. No, no, that's actually really I could. So when you look at it, Jamal Charles, it was surprising. You know, looking at all this, he did not have the receiving work in college. It was like a three or four percent college dominator rating for for the receiving game. And now you think about him and you're like, yeah, Jamal Williams, he's a great pass catching back. He really didn't have that in college. And that's kind of where Trey Sermon is. But all of these are, again, they're based on the expected draft capital, the age coming in, uh, the, the college dominators, uh, some of the workout metrics. So Trey Sermon, Jamal Williams, the higher end was Marion Barber. Dan, does that get you going a little bit? Uh, I love the beast. That get you going a little bit, Marion Barber. So I think that's the higher end. Uh, Kenny Gainwell. So that was tough because he is, I I don't even want to say outlier if he succeeds, but he would be, but there just are not anybody to comp him size wise. That like there's, there's nobody that with that expected draft capital. So looking at it, the closest I could come up with Steve Slayton, Ronnie Hillman, Devin Singletary. And that's, it's not a great list. It's not a great list. But again, I, that one, I kind of had to force it. It was like a round peg in a square hole kind of, because 
the the options were limited. Michael Carter, Daryl Henderson. Yeah. No, I always think he's too slim to be Daryl Henderson. I know you don't go off weight and stuff, but I don't see their play styles matching up all that well. Playing style. I mean, it's not, a, it's not we, about playing style. We you don't need to at, watch he, them play football. You already yelled at me, Mitch. Where are you, is, listen, is, you listening? No, I mean, if you have a comp stylistically or what you see on film, did. please. Uh, James thank you. Yeah, you. You did. And then Chuba Hubbard, uh, t- Tony Pollard, Roy Hallou on the low end. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Kelly actually popped in. Again, that is with the expectation of a fourth run draft grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some people think Chuba might slip into the third. That's going to be a situation where it's going to be very interesting to see the divide and difference between how the NFL views a player and how us low life fantasy. I think we're going to see a fair amount of that this year, to be honest I know. with you. I, I think know. there's going to be a, some highly touted Twitter players that are not drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. And every, how, how could they slip? How, well, because they had a fifth round grade. Look at his dominator rating, though. I know. That'll be me tweeting out. <laughs> yeah, but the, the dominator rating. Come on. All right. So the, those are some of the mid-tier options. Uh, you know, we could have had a whole show just on the mid-tier options, just on the, the big three. But now I want to get a few late round running back targets in. Now, these are the names that came up over and over again on those Twitter lists that I asked for. Those rankings from various sources and various folks uh, in the the dynasty community. Jarrett Patterson, as high as running back six, as low as running back 16. So I'll work through this list. You guys really let me know who stands out to you. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, as high as running back eight, down to running back 13. So not really as broad of a range. Man, the Twitter darling, Elijah Mitchell. Yes. And Mitch likes him because he's fast and Mitchell is in his name. But as high as running back five, as low as running back 13, Keelan Hill. No, hold on. You said for me to jump in when I heard the name. Yeah, I didn't know when to jump in here. I have a comment like on all these guys. Listen, uh, let me run through the list and then you guys can jump in. Okay. Keelan Hill. Somebody had him as high as running back four. Somebody had him at running back 11. Jamar Jefferson as high as running back five. Uh, We already talked about Chuba Hubbard, so we can get rid of him here. All right, Mitch. Who do you want to talk about here? So Elijah Mitchell. Honestly, I was trying to find the James Robinson, right? So I was diving into prospects as much as I could. I'm trying to find like the division two guys, right? Guys that nobody's heard of. There really aren't very many in this draft. Like there's no one that fits the profile even close to what James Robinson did coming out of Illinois state last year. And so it's like, all right, now who can you really, because the truth is most of these guys probably aren't going to matter at all. Right. But it's still fun to have a guy that you really like and you can watch to see if he gets drafted. So mine's going to be Elijah Mitchell. Just because... But are you crazy enough to have him at running back four like somebody else had him? Oh, no. He's in my... He'll, like, if he gets round five, maybe he'll be a late third round pick for me. But, yeah, no, he's just... I mean, if someone runs a 4-3 at a running back and he looks decent on film, you know, you're going to... Your ears are going to perk up a little bit when you see that. Like, no matter what. I'm... What... Uh, John Ross got drafted fifth overall because he ran a four, three. And that was about the only reason why it happened. And so some teams just fall in love with speed. And maybe that takes him from the sixth round draft pick that he was up to a fourth round draft pick. Now, if that happens, you know, your ears are going to perk up a little bit, but looking at all these guys, I mean, 
I might have one on a team somewhere, one on a team somewhere else and just see what happens. But right now before the NFL draft, none of these guys like jump off the page besides Mitchell for me. But they're the type of players that let's say you made several trades throughout the year, the last two years, and you stocked up on thirds or fourths. If they're, if they're floating around there, load up on those running backs. You know, I, I think it's upside city there. John in the chat here says Puka. Puka was a running back that, a lot of people on Twitter are talking about, but the way it lined up here, he didn't really crack anybody's top five or six, you know? So I was looking at guys in that area, but Puka certainly, I, I, honestly, I think I just like to say the name, name Puka, Puka. Uh, and I'm probably mispronouncing that. It's probably, people are going to say, JB, it's Puka. Or, it, it very well, <laughs> maybe. I don't freaking know. All right, Dan, all those running backs, who intrigues you a little bit? And then I'm going to tell you why you're both wrong. Puka's a sleeper to degree there. I'll give John some credit and mention his name. Cause I thought he was, he might be better than one or two guys. I don't know if anyone's going to hit, you know, number six on the radar. Definitely not top five, maybe number six. If like they just, some team drafted him much higher than we anticipated, you know, I, I might be able to adjust after the draft and maybe they could get to number six on my list, but definitely competing for seven is Khalil Herbert. and. Ramondre Stevenson were the two guys before I even saw your notes, John, that were kind of higher on my notes. Herbert has good screen. You see him using the screen game, using the return game, and he finishes runs with authority. I I, I think he's a sneaky good running back. And Ramondre Stevenson, man, like I love the way this kid runs. He's like a a bowling ball with quick feet and high energy, Uh, really fun running back to watch. So those two guys I think have potential to – you know, do something good in the National Football League. No disagreement with Mitch's Elijah Mitchell as far as just being a, a good vision, running back with good vision, a good runner. He plays for the Raging Cajuns, man. He would take me back to like NCAA college football when I was in high school. Right? And yep. We'd play with the Raging Cajuns, you know. And That's so, who I'd pick too. <laughs> right? so, so there's some good memories there. Um, but th- then the rest of the guys, just to touch on them quick, Patterson, small, fast, solid runner. But I didn't see anything else to be like a Megan or Sproles type. So he just kind of fell short on me, although he, he definitely could run the ball. Wait, who was that that you just said? Jared Megan. Patterson. Um, he, he, he missed the, the passing game work or the return game work. At least I didn't see it or hear no, much no. about it to to be with those guys. Time out. I, I completely agree. So Dan has numbers or John has numbers. Hold on. No, Dan doesn't have numbers. Yeah, uh, Jared Patterson, I have the best best case scenario. Darren Sproles, like absolute best case. And then I think a more realistic outcome, uh, Boston Scott or Deion Lewis, honestly. Yeah, I just don't see enough of that receiving game. I don't see any of the receiving game on on the film that I watched. Yeah. So so that's lacking for me. So that's what and kind that, of... And that lines up with the analytics. That line, about, I think, 4%. Yeah. So 4%. that's why I will not draft. I would not draft him even probably as a flyer unless it was like my last pick in a deep, deep league. But Stevenson and Herbert, I would. Mitchell, if he he fell to me, depending on where, I, I could definitely see him worth taking. Hill, he was kind of like a smallish backup to me. Like I just, I uh, I'm just not on the Hill fan club. I, I'm not seeing it. And then Jamar Jefferson, nice sleeper back. I thought he had like a size speed combo. I like to see him finish his runs a little more physically than I watched on film. So I have more doubt with him, but I did see some, you know, some positives on film. I can lump together Elijah Mitchell, Keelan Hill, Ramondre Stevenson, Larry Roundtree, Khalil Herbert, uh Chris Evans, not the Roundtree. Avenger, but 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 Chris Evans, the running back. 
they're all 23 years old already. Mm-hmm. And I, I already went through the numbers, so I'm not going to bore you guys again with the numbers. But these guys, maybe, maybe one of them sneaks in to like the fourth round. It's still not a place that I'm intrigued by them. Certainly, and this is no disrespect, I want to thank everybody that I rattled off that provided their rankings and their lists uh, beyond appreciative, especially to, to give the talking point for these players. But I can't see a situation where I'm putting any of these guys in my top six, seven, eight running backs. Again, I got Vaughn last year. Darn it. It's not going to happen again. Just wait till next year, though, because there's that COVID redshirt thing that's happening to where pretty much anybody can go back if they want to and get an extra year of eligibility. So next year, we're going to have like 24-year-old running backs coming out. We'll be like, well. (laughs) Right, right. Tell, tell me what you think here, real quick thought. So we, we drafted together in our, our Champions League, very competitive 14-team league. And I know you guys have done even more startups than I have this offseason. I went into that league, and this league was rookie crazy. Like, I mean, they were they were hopping on them. So I came out with zero, I believe, rookie running backs. I have to double-check my roster here. It's like the big names just went way high, you know, yep. higher than I could have taken them. We, These, we took Gainwell relatively early in that league, yeah. I think. So you were able to hop on one there and get gain. Well, receivers, when we get to next week, I was able to get some of them and, and go, you know, follow through with my draft strategy. But I find it a lot harder. Like you said, if the percentage is this low of these guys hitting JB, a lot of these rookie crazed people are taking them earlier than you could even obtain them. It's low. And then you look at the, the outliers, right? Arian Foster, Alfred Morris, even Willie Parker, Latavius Murray to an extent. These are all guys taken round four or later that were 23 years old. Uh, you know, DeAndre Washington, that could be an outcome for some of these guys. Raheem Mostert. Um, but one last number here to close it out on my end. This can this can count as my final thought. 142 running backs since 2003 have entered the NFL at the age of 23 as a round four pick or later. That includes undrafted free agents. Seven. Seven have gone on to have at least just one running back one season, seven out of 142. So these certainly are dart throws. And that percentage, that hit rate, it goes down and down and down with the the draft capital and the age that these guys enter the NFL. I think when I look at my rankings, it's like, you know, how do you get these guys? Dan Dan ignores it. Dan just goes, all right, back to my rankings. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) that's what I was saying. I, I love the analytics, and I know our listeners are taking notes. I'm wondering, like, like knowing how low percentage, like, how do you predict Raheem Mostert's ever going to hit in, in the National Football League? So, again, when you get to the point of draft where there's no one else to take, I would take them. And, and I'd even probably take them before some of these, like, second, third string running backs that we look at in our rankings that just probably have no upside. But I find it hard to take them before, like, wide receivers that really could hit, you know, really could be something. So I guess that's another show that we could talk about this. I think, Mitch, correct me – you know, maybe not correct me, but let me know if you have a different opinion here. But for me, I don't mind loading up on these types of players because if you land, and when I say load up on them, fourth and fifth round, you know, I'm not saying I'm taking them with a second round pick, even early third. But once you get to the fourth and fifth round, they're all dart throws. But if you have a wide receiver, maybe crack wide receiver 36 territory, how much value is that wide receiver really gaining? Whereas if you land one of those outlier running backs, 
their value gain is tremendous. And I guess I struggle with this. So let, let me rephrase. In a rookie redraft, I'm with you. Like I'm taking these guys too in rookie redrafts. I have the pick. I'm, I'm going to take them and they're going to be better than someone on my bench. But I struggle in a startup. Like, like when you know a running back's in an organization's plans, even if it's a Wayne Gallman or a, you know, a, a Salvana Med who, you know, like just kind of flashed in the NFL. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we know this guy could play in the NFL. We know he's going to be the second or third string running back where these guys, we just have no clue. That's where I struggle. No. And I'm, I am with you on there in a redraft or startup. Mm-hmm. Just just kill redraft. I like that. We got to start the whole episode over. (laughs) Redraft. Uh, No, but in a startup, I completely agree, especially when people like there were some of these players that realistically might have a 5% hit rate, maybe Mm -hmm. even lower. And they're going before players that we've seen a little something already. So I'm completely on board with you from that aspect. I'd like to continue this conversation another, another time. I have a feeling we will. Mitch, did you have any other thoughts there? No, one thing I was going to add is I meant to mention it earlier when we're talking about the Michael Carter um, like zone of running backs, that tier, right? Is JJ Zacharyson, uh, everyone knows him, late round podcast. He had a great podcast. It was beginning of February. I wish I could remember the name of it. But he was saying the draft picks that gain the most value from rookie drafts to the next startup season is actually second round rookie picks because that's where like you get the guys like cam Akers, you get antonio gibson right guys that are just kind of buried in a little bit of a committee but towards the end of the season they start showing something and so that immediately just has them right rise up the draft boards and that's something we can see with like the michael carter and trey sermon and stuff like that maybe they're just get stuck behind Melvin Gordon and they don't show anything till week 12 and Melvin Gordon goes down and they have a four game stretch. Then all of a sudden you get, you get a huge value jump. So that's something I've definitely paid attention to is like maybe in the second round, I'm willing to take a little bit more risk on these guys than what I was before. And just instead of going like Amon Ross St. Brown at the two Oh six, maybe I go Michael Carter instead. And, <laughs> but like I love Amon Ross St. Brown, right? No. Uh, and I, I understand where you're coming from. Certainly. But a lot of it is going to be, and I hate to say it, but it's going to be not landing spots so much as draft capital. Yes. I need these guys to get in the first three rounds. They need to be at least a day two pick. I'm not going to be as overzealous and overambitious as Dan. I don't care if you're a third, fourth, fifth. If I like you, I like you guys. You know, Trey Sermon, I'm drafting you. You know, so I, I, I do need them to hit that threshold personally. That was a good one, Mitch. That your your final thought better be very good tonight because that was solid. Oh no, I should have saved it. Just skip <laughs> yeah. over me for that. Well, I I do every once in a while. But final thoughts, Mitch. Do you want to bring us home here? Sure. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna mention because all of my leagues are fully paid and we're good to go. So I'm gonna mention this. If you're in a dynasty league, get your dues paid. Like there's nothing worse than having to send a message. Then you send a message, then you send another message and you get nothing in return. It's a little aggravating because, you know, I was thinking in one league, maybe I'll just not pay champion league dues. Like you win the championship game. Maybe I'll forget for three weeks or four weeks and be like, oh yeah, sorry. I forgot I was supposed to do that. But of course it doesn't work that way. So just go and pay your dues. Makes the commissioner's job that much easier. But yeah, that's it. Was that it? Was that a shot at me? No, it was shot at someone else, but yeah, you fit the bill right now. 
Was that yesterday you said, dude, go check the yeah, group? Like, you you know, need like, to look crap. in that group. <laughs> but I will say to rectify that situation immediately, I went in and paid that due. I was you like, did. oh, yes. I, and I, I feel like there's a league or two I'm still missing. So if you're the commissioner of that league, please DM me, hound me, please. Uh, all right, Dan, final thought after, what was this, episode 112. Ooh. I love the number, man, where we keep rising here. Great final thoughts on your end. You guys, man, you got 100 dynasty leagues between you, so I know you guys are always paying on time and are, are good with that, so no need to explain. But my final thought here, man, is as we keep sponging information, whether it's rookie drafts or startups, you know, I know we're all on the rookie hype, but we still want to keep an eye on rosters and keep learning, and I think we could easily lose sight that to, I think, April 5th, yesterday, I believe, is when teams with new coaches – Teams that hire new coaches can begin off-season workout programs. So we should be seeing some stuff soon where these new coaches are implementing. April 19th, all NFL teams could start workout programs. So we'll start getting some more information as we prepare for the year and then obviously leading up to our big draft, April 29th. That's awesome. That Stealing my final thought. Yeah, we're doing a live draft show. I've been shoving that down people's throats 29th, 30th, 12 hours of getting to listen to me. Uh, that's probably more of a punishment than anything else. Uh, people are like, yeah, JB, go, go take your time, make some dinner, take a few hours off. Let Mitch and Dan run the ship. Uh, but that is going to be an absolute blast. We have like 20 guests lined up. We're going to have some cool graphics graphics to pump out. Uh, Mitch, I got to put you on the spot. Did you, did you finalize and figure out that charity stuff that you and I talked about? Oh, no, I'll figure it out. I'll okay. get it figured out. Okay. Yeah. okay. 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 But we're, we're going to do some things there. Maybe a few giveaways and things like that throughout the, the nights. Um, Mitch was yelling at me cause I haven't had anything to drink since new year's Eve. And he's like, John, you got to have a few drinks for, you oh, got to yeah, have it all on me. Put it all on me. Yeah. So whenever I'm screaming obscenities by eight o'clock, I'll say, Mitch, it's your fault. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, anything else? Anything else for our listeners? We're getting off track here. Just John will pronounce Najee Harris correct on our draft special episodes. He <laughs> Good <will>. luck, man. <laughs> At the end of the first round, maybe the Dolphins. I'm getting it ready now. Get, get it all queued up. I like it. All right, guys. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe. Be kind to each other and have a fantastic night. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>